Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome to Understanding the Human Condition with your host, Dr. James Flowers. Hey, Robin. Hey, you. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited that we have Dr. Davis here today. I know. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Good, 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 good. Um... I, we we really wanted to talk to you a little bit. I mean, first off, before I read your bio, there's a lot of women out there, I think, that I, I want them to tune in and have their friends tune in because you're really going to address some issues that a lot of women are dealing with right now, um, female issues and thyroid issues sure. and diabetes and a lot of these things. So please tune in and share this with your girlfriends. Um, but if you, if I can humor all of you with the uh, bio, a quick bio here. And then we'll get into some good conversation. Dr. Anu Davis practices medicine with the River Oaks Doctors Group. River Oaks Doctors Group is an internal medicine and endocrinology practice servicing patients in Houston, Texas. Dr. Davis' medical interests include general endocrinology, diabetes management, thyroid dysfunction, nodular thyroid disease, thyroid cancer, polycystic ovary syndrome, and endocrine dysfunction in pregnancy. She is married and has two children. Welcome. And I think you cut her bio by about 75% we did. because there's so much more to you. <laughs> we <did>. so, <laughs> but we only have a limited amount of time. I know. Yeah. So is there anything about you that she didn't mention that you'd love for everybody to know? Um, you know, I've been in Houston my whole life, and I don't think we're leaving. Yeah. So, and and that, that's part of kind of our practice and the way we practice medicine. It yeah. really comes from both me and my partners that we've all been here forever. I love that. Same. Were you born in Houston? No. No, me either. But I came to Houston when I was the summer of my eighth grade year. So I went to high school here. And that's the way our practice is. It's the same. We feel like we're just rooted in Houston and the therapists that work here have all been here a long, long time. Well, I mean, like I've been here since I was four. and Like oh, yeah. I trained here, right? So yeah. then, and I trained both at UT and at Baylor. So when you do yeah. that, like, by the time you finish, you've met a lot of people. Absolutely, right? mm-hmm. yeah. So. You're rooted in Houston. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know that you have a, an amazing concierge practice uh, right here in the River Oaks area. Um, it's personalized care. Um, similar to what we do, but of course on the medical side, tell everybody that's listening about concierge medicine and what's the difference between concierge medicine and a practice really in a traditional medical practice. Um, the main difference is the idea that you actually have um, access to your physician. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of different models of concierge practices, but the main issue is that, you know, because of the way insurance companies contract with physicians, a lot of times patients are having to change doctors every couple mm-hmm. years, and that continuity goes away. Yeah. So. 
um, you know, that's why I said at first, like, none of us are ever leaving. Right. You know, we're we're here and we're staying and we're sitting in that office and we're always we're right. always accessible by phone or email or text or anything. Yeah, absolutely. That's nice. Same. I have a concierge physician as well, and it's nice just to have a cell phone that you can text and ask a quick question to, and they limit the size of their practice, which I'm sure you do as well. In some ways, yeah. And in some ways, and uh, and it's nice to be able to have that relationship and not oh, yeah. have to depend on insurance changing insurance at the end of the year, saying, "Well, that doctor is now out of the network" or what have you. So correct. And so yeah. that I mean, the main thing is when you went to medical school, you went to take care of patients right. and. When you get out in the world, sometimes that patient care gets disrupted by all the other rules. So yep. we kind of took away some of the other rules. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 you have a little bit of a nuance on concierge medicine just because of the location that you're in in Houston, right? You're right here in the River Oaks area, right down the street from us at J Flowers Health Institute off of San Felipe and Kirby. Um, what are some of the nuances? Um, a lot of times we'll work with psychologists and psychiatrists, and we've had a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists on the on the podcast that work with high net worth individuals. And quite frankly, that's your population, most of your population, and it's what our population. What do you think the difference is? I know that you treat people the same regardless of income or race or anything else, but when you have a high-end concierge practice, there's nuances to that. And So talk a little bit about that. Um, I think the main issues that come up are that time is a big deal, uh -huh. right? Time is money, and people need their time respected. Right. And one of the things about general medicine practices is that that's not even a part of that. So in our practice, you know, that's a priority, time and privacy. Yeah. Those are the biggest things to get people moving through the system as quickly as possible. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So they can just get back into their life and get going. Right. Or in, in understanding that they're going to be doing their whole life while you're doing <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Actually getting them to stop is, is, is a challenge, yeah. right? They're going to, they need to do everything and their privacy needs to be maintained and yeah. they need to be functioning in their, in their world. And so the goal is always to get people back. Yeah. And, in, and speaking of privacy, one of the things I think that you do for privacy is you actually make a lot of house calls. You go to yeah. people's homes every day, right? We do. We yeah. make house calls, and our, all, the, all the physicians in our practice make house calls. We do home management for mm -hmm. when people are discharged from the hospital just for that couple of weeks or that mm -hmm. transition time. A lot of times we discharge people from the hospital, and we don't have – I mean, the instruction is poor, right? Right. Of, mm -hmm. You know, how to manage mm -hmm. the pain or how to – like, is a pill bottle really going to tell you how to manage those things right. and how to – so we will yeah. go visit people in their houses. Yeah. And the other thing about seeing it's people huge. in their houses is that you really get a sense of, like, what their support system is and help mm -hmm. them access their support system. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. You guys are uh, – I was talking to my niece last night about you coming on the show, and she goes, what a small world. The other Dr. Davis in your practice works with my niece's uh, father-in-law, and she said it's just – change their lives because they're all busy and they all work and the children work and he is uh he just moved was in fact dr davis helped him uh move from his home into an assisted living type independent right. living home and is having some medical issues but they said the service that you guys provide uh to their family has just been invaluable so well one of the things about that is just having people who know how this works right you yeah. don't have to reinvent the wheel every single time someone has to move from their home to it like, yeah but you also but you do have to have an understanding of how that stuff is paid for and yeah. where the different options are for yeah. 
paying for it and addressing it and yeah. how quickly things can move and yeah. you know um, some assisted living facilities will have medical floors and sure you know we need to know what have some expectation of what the patient's going to need and be able to mm-hmm. anticipate that so that you can help them make better choices yeah and so we have a case manager who works with us who really has, I mean she's been in Houston for longer than yeah. ever, all of us and sure and she can help navigate our patients through a lot of them that's amazing how did you go from practicing you have a long career how do you how did you go from practicing um in a general type medical way into a concierge type practice um for me it was totally by accident (laughs) (laughs) um i was faculty at the medical school and i was hanging around working on a big quality project for memorial Hermann system and um i met uh uh, my partner's wife, mm-hmm. like working on a big project. Sure. And yeah. and she was like, "Oh well, you should meet my husband." <laughs> and I mean, it was yeah. the yeah. way he practices medicine and the way that yeah. they were doing it, and yeah. they were just at the beginning of kind yeah. of branching out. And yeah. so my so endocrinology is a is a good specialty to add to internal medicine because mm-hmm. internal. Um, Jay and Amy, my two partners, mm-hmm. are both general internists. Mm-hmm. But endocrinology, you know, it has little niches, but there's a lot of general medicine. Right. So it's an easy thing um, yeah. to both, like, be narrow in and also mm-hmm. be broad in. Absolutely. You know, speaking of endocrinology, I, I, just a little statistic. that More than 34 million Americans have diabetes, which is about 11% of the U.S. population. That's huge. Yeah. That is huge. Do you see that a lot in your practice? So most endocrinology practices are about 80% diabetes. Wow. Mine is probably closer to 40 to 50% diabetes, mm-hmm. but still quite a lot of diabetes, a lot of yeah. pre-diabetes. And, yeah. um, you know, diabetes changed a lot. And the yeah. management of it and mm-hmm. the prevention of the complications has changed a lot in the last decade. Right. And um, so it's a fun thing to do. And it's one of the places where it's very comprehensive, right? You need um, dietitians and you need um, educators and you need people who um, understand the new technology. Yep, that's right. So we do all of it all at once. Nice. Robin, I think you were going to say something and I cut you off. No, no, not at all. No, I was just, what is the age range of of your patients from like the youngest to the oldest? Um, I probably see patients as young as 16. Oh. Um, and in well into their 80s and 90s, it runs the gamut. Um, so you're probably into the second generation of families, and oh, you know you're absolutely. getting into. We take care of whole families, yeah. top to bottom. Yeah. That's really cool. It's yeah. pretty fun. Yeah. And then the diabetes. What, as far as diabetes, what do you think the main cause? I mean, what do you, what is the biggest issue that you're? Is it just something that they're passing on from generation I mean, to generation or is it poor and food right? lifestyle. lifestyle is a big issue when it comes to diabetes people and just aren't i mean people are getting better themselves. but we you know we want to be better but yeah we still run very busy lives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and fast food is just fast food that we eat and desserts that we eat and yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. um so people i mean people are trying and want to be better but lifestyle management is a huge thing so one of the things i'm really have, was have really always been interested in is polycystic ovary syndrome which is mm-hmm. you know it's the number one cause of infertility um and it's kind of a pre-diabetic state uh-huh. so it it's a place where you have a lot of opportunity for intervention and a lot of opportunity to to work on the prevention side of diabetes um Mm -hmm. and so 
Um, and it's a really, um, it's a population because if women are trying to get pregnant and that, and working on infertility, they're motivated. And so sure. it's a great place to work on prevention. And so one of the things I like most and why my practice is a little bit less diabetes and a little bit more other endocrine is because I do a lot of prevention in polycystic ovary syndrome. Yeah. Gotcha. And so that's where I kind of run into young girls and um, oh, sure. like high school and college age students is in that. And, and I mean, post-college too, but that's sure. how I get some of the younger. And catching it before the infertility issues Right, Start. catching it earlier before infertility issues become a problem. Yeah. Hmm. And what are some of those symptoms that, um, that symptoms send them to you? Symptoms of polycystic ovary syndrome mm-hmm. or acne, um, excess hair growth where you don't want it, um, irregular menstrual cycles, um, weight gain. Especially, you know, when you see weight gain in young adolescents, like, that's outside of what their family would, mm-hmm. like, would look, what they don't look like their family. Mm-hmm. That's kind of when... You start to think about those things. So irregular menstrual cycles, weight gain, um, and then we look at blood work. So abnormal sugars, we start to see that early. Gotcha. Hmm. What did, uh, how did COVID affect your practice last year? Um, Both really you and your family, how did it affect you guys? But more importantly, or equally important, how did it affect your practice? Because you go into people's homes every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we're very grateful in my family that we've been kind Good. of safe from the COVID. But, um, I mean, practice just changed, right? So, um, and our, our patients use the phone a lot more. Yeah. So, yeah. for a few months, um, it was just about phone access, educating people, one kind of one patient at a time. Yeah. As much as you can educate, you know, people were hearing the news. There was so much information yeah. coming mm-hmm. their way. But it was like, how do I get my kids back from college? How do I get, yeah. you know, how do we mm-hmm. traverse all this? Um, should we do it? Should, should we, we do, not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, manage and um, managing the COVID that came up. We had lots, mm-hmm. of, lots of people that got sick. And, um, I mean, group. Thankfully, most of them did very well, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but the practice changed just from a phone. Like, we yeah. probably did a lot more phone and telemedicine. We were yeah. set up to do the phone and Good. telemedicine even before that. Right. So it wasn't a huge, it was just kind of a shift for mm-hmm. us. Um, yeah. But definitely, we've chatted with a lot of people this last year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Likewise. And then we did, I mean, we were able to send someone to people's houses to get tested and things like that which you know adds convenience so you weren't standing in lines and in the cr and that kind of stuff yeah did you see uh an increase in your patient population um really across the population uh mental health depression anxiety uh increase last year definitely right the anxiety And I think even in the last six months, I've yeah. seen a lot of yeah. baseline anxiety. Yeah. Um, people who already had diagnosis of anxiety, you could watch it. Yeah. You know, and yep. then even people who had never had any, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. showed up. Yeah. And because you guys get to spend so much time with your patients, like we do in a more of a concierge practice, it's not rushed and you don't see 50 or 60 patients a day. You get to see the number that you need to see or that you want to see in a day. And you really develop a therapeutic alliance and a medical relationship with your patient. And so when you see little things pop up, like maybe, is he drinking a little more, right? Mm -hmm. Or is she drinking a little more? She called in early for a refill or something like that. Kind of what's going on. How do you handle situations when you notice something just 
a little askew. Well, I mean, one thing about it is that we have a lot of communication with our patients, yeah. right? So, yeah. and they'll tell us, and it's it's yeah. kind of nice when that relationship's already established. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we're the like we're the point of care, right? Mm-hmm. So they actually will yeah. tell us when you know they yeah. feel like things are going That's the cool. wrong direction, yeah. um, and you know we also we still pick up the phone and talk to other doctors. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah. like, we talk to people's therapists and we talk to people's psychiatrists yeah. if they're, if we know they're struggling or if th- we know that they're yeah. in a situation where they're going to struggle. Yeah. Like, we don't, it's not like five doctors sitting in different exactly. offices, right? Yeah. We try to make a team for the patient yeah. in some way. Absolutely. Good. And you treat a lot of patients with chronic illness. I do. Yeah. Yeah. You want to tell the audience about that? Um, so... Diabetes, of course, is chronic with mm-hmm. multiple complications and multiple, you know, we have patients who have kidney disease and patients who have circulation issues because of the diabetes um, and can be debilitating over time. Um, and we try really hard to anticipate, you mm-hmm. know, each patient's different. So what they're going to have trouble with is based on them. and. Um, if we're able to anticipate a little bit more and help them kind of have a sense of where things are going and what the kind of timelines are in front of them, um, Mm -hmm. they're able to prepare for that. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a big thing and getting help when getting help and building their support system as the diseases become more debilitating. Mm -hmm. Um, I see a lot of other, I see a lot of thyroid disease, which sometimes comes along like, with other inflammatory processes and autoimmune stuff. So um, although I'm not the rheumatologist, I end up managing a little bit that and working very closely with the rheumatologists. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. What do you do to take care of? What's your self-care? I mean, you're so busy taking care of everybody else. What do you do to take care of you? Um, I am a really good sleeper. Mm -hmm. Are you? I am. And um, I do a lot of yoga. Okay. And those are, I mean, those are my main. And if yeah. if I'm going to yoga and I'm sleeping and I'm reading books, then I'm, th- that's my, like, my little triangle. Okay. And I do really well with that. Do you? And if, if one of those things falls off. Uh, uh, it, all, <laughs> it all starts to fall off. It all off. starts to yeah. fall off. But, you know, I think it took a lot of time to mm-hmm. figure out what, like, that's my minimum and I have mm-hmm. to do my minimum to oh, do yeah. all the other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, you encouraged me to go to your yoga studio over off of Wa and Allen Parkway, and I haven't gone yet, but I picked up, I'm a retired marathon runner, and I picked up swimming recently. Okay. It is a whole different different ballgame. Oh, my God. You know, I was like, oh, I've run marathons. I've done 28 marathons. I run 100-mile races. That cardio is going to be easy. It is so Oh, what do you do in the lap swimming. pool at the Houstonian? Yeah, mm-hmm. Are yeah. You? swimming is just that a, is hilarious. It is hysterical. I swam two links, I guess, which was one lap. And oh. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> well, so on the flip side of that, like I grew up swimming, and my daughter's a swimmer. Oh yeah. And when yeah. we went to like we went to run the loop at Rice one yeah. day, and she's like, "What is your problem? Yeah. This is so easy." I know, right? Come on, mom, <laughs> I can do that. I know. Adam over here is a yogi too, right? Mm. I need yeah. to go to what's the studio? Big Power Yoga. Big, I need to get in there. I've got to get in there. I'm Big still going to keep yoga. swimming and get my cardio, <laughs> like heart rate down and cardio up, but. Um, yeah, swimming's my new thing right now. <laughs> those, those are the things I do. What do you do? 
Yeah, uh, what do you do? You know, well, I used to get up and run six or eight miles, and now I'll, you know, I'll walk four, four or five miles. <laughs> um, I love to work out early. I'm an early morning person, so I'll get up and go to the gym and do my workout. And this morning I went to the gym and did swimming from six to seven and then worked out from seven to eight. And that, nice. it is amazing it changes. walking out of there how mm. much better I feel, yeah. you know. When my alarm went off at 5 a.m., oh, I was yeah, like, do I, I really want to go swimming today? And I was like, yes, get up mm. and go. And you do it, right? And you get in the water, and it feels refreshing, and then you start swimming. And I'm trying to work on my rhythm and learning how to bring my head out of the water. It's it is. <laughs> there's a lot of things to remember in swimming, number one. Do you have a swim coach? Do no, they have a swim coach uh, there? No, no. no. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm a typical male. I'm going to do it on my own for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to try it on my own. Oh, but, that's hilarious. You know, and, uh, so I'm getting better, right? I'm getting yeah. a little bit better. So I swim and uh, I do a Zen class. Typically, if I'm home by 530, I'll do a Zen class with the Houston Zen Center like from 530 to 6. Oh, nice. And then on Sunday mornings, I'll do another uh, Zen from like eight fifty to ten o'clock, which is nice. That's and good. Yeah, That's, so you meditation. Need that. Yeah. Have you done a meditation at the cisterns? No, I. Friends of mine went on Easter Sunday though. It's, it's pretty cool. I've never been to the mm. cister. Have you been? No. It's uh, off of Allen Parkway, isn't it? Uh, Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go. Tell us. Um, I mean, they do meditations with yeah. the meditation bells, yeah. and so yeah. and it echoes in the cistern. Yeah. It's, kind of oh. great. it's supposedly just amazing. So we should go do that. We should. Yeah. That would I be fun. I think they do it every weekend. Do they? I mean, I, yeah. like a patient told me about it. Right. So it's yeah, not yeah. Like, about an yeah. on-location podcast. Well, I saw it in, like in the. <laughs> I was reading through the Chronicle one day and saw that there was some special event there that they were doing with some world expert that comes and does this mm-hmm. singing uh, bowls. Have you been? Not, no, you no, would love no. it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, you would really love it. We all need to go down there. Um, so anyway, that's what I do. But I used to do uh, hot yoga, Bikram. I mm-hmm. used to do it six days, sometimes I can't seven do days hot. Mm-hmm. And I was in <laughs> love with it. And I was like this rigid yoga person. And one day I was like, I am so hot, I'm bur- literally burned out, uh, and I quit doing it for about two years. No. And yeah. I really want to get back into yoga because I miss it. Oh, yeah, you're going to love it. And so do my muscles and my hips. And <laughs> <laughs> and stretching. And all the things. And, yeah, and all those things. <laughs> right. Um, How old are your girls? 13 and 15. Ah, tell uh, us about the kids. Are they I very mean, different? They have two different personalities, and they're a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Growing like weeds, right? I bet, um, yeah. So, Absolutely. Thirteen year old and fifteen year old. That's that's something. I mean to have teenagers and be a busy physician and I don't know how you yeah. do it. You know, I got two dogs and it's still <laughs> right. a lot. One day at a time. So that so what we call this is understanding the human condition. How do you balance having two daughters, a husband, a successful career yeah. and this life that you have? Um, and and in your own human condition of staying healthy, right? Um, you know, it took a long time to figure out, like yeah. I told you, to what my my things were, yeah. and and I work really hard to make sure I'm doing all those yeah. things. And yeah. you can skip one day, but if you skip like two, you're gonna oh, get yeah. it gets iffy really quickly. Yeah, it and, sure does. And so you, I mean, I'm real, I'm a morning person also, mm-hmm. so I'm real careful about mm-hmm. taking that time out for myself first. Yeah. And yep. And then yeah. you just, so my days are very crazy because, I mean, 300 people have my cell phone number. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, right. And so I tell people it's like having 300 family members that you're responsible mm-hmm. for their medical yeah. care, right? And so um, yeah. 
So it can go any which way. Yeah. And um, so I just have to be ready for that. Yeah. And the best way to be ready for that is to wake up ahead of everyone else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it is. I know. I was talking to a friend of ours. You and I share a friend. Virginia Ariaza. Uh -huh. I always say her name incorrectly, but I was talking to her, you know, she's an avid runner, right? right. And she gets up every single day. And I just envy that right now. Um, the other Saturday, she came running by and she stopped at the house. And I was like, what mile are you on? And she's like, 21. <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, my gosh. Well, and she's, and I, yeah. yeah. She's just, just like that. She's an endocrinologist with her two kids. And that's right. Runs yeah. every and day. she manages all of it. And I was asking her, I was like, how do you do this with these kids and your husband and your house? Yeah. Yeah. Your mother lives awe. behind you, and you know you've got all of these things, and she's like, "You got to do it. You just do it. You just get up and do it." And that's what I tell my patients, right? So yeah. I just have to listen to myself. True. Yeah. <laughs> Give advice. We need to take our own advice. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, you don't well, worry about yesterday and how you didn't do it quite right yesterday. Oh and don't worry too much about tomorrow. And if you can make it, you yeah. just sort of yeah uh, do it right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So back to diabetes, what are some other symptoms that you can educate the audience as to what to look for? What are some of the signs? I mean, the main thing with diabetes to remember, and the main thing about a lot of this stuff to remember is that you need to go see a doctor once a year, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. because get your blood drawn. And... Because you need to get your blood drawn. I mean, after probably 35, I mean, that needs to happen once a year because there's just things that there's questions that the doctors can ask. There's blood work you're not going to feel diabetes right at the outset mm. yeah. and it can be asymptomatic for a long long time mm -hmm. and you yeah. want to find those things as early as possible because when you intervene early you protect the cells that make the insulin and that means a longer period of time in a healthy state mm -hmm. with just a managed disease as opposed to yeah. like catching it when you already have complications isn't there like is there four different types of diabetes, I think? or There's lots of different. Lots but of there's different type types, 1 yeah. and type 2. Is yeah. the, type the, 1 and type 2. What's the, the difference? So type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disorder. Yeah. And it has two peaks when we see it. So this is the one that we usually call childhood diabetes because most people are diagnosed in childhood. But there is also actually another peak in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. So people do get diagnosed later in adulthood also. So wild. Why is that? Why? Yeah. Are there two peaks? Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but there are. <laughs> Who knows, but there just are. What are you seeing the most of in your practice right now? Right now I see mostly, I see a lot of polycystic ovary syndrome, mm -hmm. a lot of thyroid, and I do a lot of weight management mm -hmm. and um, obesity. Mm -hmm. And so, and those are, you know, those are the pillars of prevention, right? And when yeah. you man, you kind of work on all those things and you when you work on obesity and weight management, then the blood pressure goes away and the sure diabetes does. goes away and the heart disease, like we yeah. work on mm -hmm. all those things. Absolutely. Um, and so we try really hard. I mean, one of the things that's nice about having time with people is that you get to know where they've been. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once you yeah. know where people have been, it's easier to help them guide yeah. them to somewhere else absolutely yeah definitely in fact we've shared a couple of patients i think yeah. historically and that's what it's all about is helping people find what is it out there about yourself that you can dig deep in and look at why am i stuck right, right. how did i get either with diabetes right mm -hmm. how do i get out of this syndrome how do i eat better how do i exercise better and the key really is working with a multidisciplinary team of people, yeah. I think, right? It helps. And mm -hmm. it seems like that's what you guys do in your practice is you have different specialists 
that you guys will utilize to work with the families with whom you work, which is amazing. Right. Yeah. That's so cool. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I mean, you just want to, like, you want to build relationships, but you also just, I mean, you want to give people, I try to tell people, you always want to be better three months from now than you are now, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. At least yeah. to manage it, because you got to keep your headspace correct you to manage. And that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yes. In today's day, no matter day who age, you are, yeah. it's hard. It's difficult. Yeah. Are most of your patients word of mouth then? Just referrals? Most of our patients are word of mouth. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. I mean... We've been in our location right now since 2012, yeah. so we've been there for a while, and yeah. um, we've all been in the Houston, like, Texas Medical Center system yeah. for 20-plus years, so mm-hmm. um, it's That's a lot nice. of word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And you're in a great, right there on the corner on Kirby, that great building. I love yeah. that building. I love that building. Yeah. It's I know. a great yeah. old building. It's got to feel good to go to work every day yeah. in that nice. building. We have yeah. good views. Mm-hmm. Tell people how to reach your practice if they want to reach it. So the best way to reach us is to call. Um, it's 832-504-9889, or it's riveroaksdoctorsgroup.com. Very cool. So Robin, how do people get a hold of jflowershealth.com <laughs> go yeah. to com, <laughs> and actually when you go to jflowershealth.com mm-hmm. if you'd like to see some of our other podcasts yep. if you go to the tab that says meet our team underneath that it says our podcasts yep. all 34 of our podcasts are on there oh very cool so you don't have to miss an episode yeah <laughs> awesome. nice all or right. they can go to iTunes or they could there's yeah. like six podcast platforms yeah. and uh, YouTube as well for the yeah. video version that's great cool all right Thank you, everyone. Thank Thank you, Dr. Davis. Yeah.